afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever in the world you might be. I am Nicole BZ and you know everything. You really do. Don't let anyone ever tell you otherwise. And we're going to talk a lot about that in this episode because this is all about scaling, scaling your success, scaling your business and doing it in a manner that's sustainable. I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who have come across one of these, let's just call them online service providers. I'm sure they exist in the physical world as well, but they've been so invested in growing their business and just getting as many sales and as much money as possible. I am talking to you, lead generators. Uh, They don't give a fuck about the success of their customers, clients, buyers. And in fact, everyone is left with a really bad taste in their mouths because the sales process is so like... We, it's so funny. We all, we all know what the sleazy salesman like feels like, but it's morphed into this like pseudo self-development empowerment confidence coach. That's like also um, threatening you with like, if you don't invest in this and if you don't say yes now, like you're going to be a failure forever. And it's your fear that's keeping you from this. So I have a major chip on my shoulder about this, having been someone who's experienced this style of sales, someone who's coached these types of salespersons. And it's because like, I think with the growth of economy and the growth of this last uh, economic scale and the growth of technology and this like, especially in the United States, this obsession with youth and success, we have forgotten that in order to create something that is sustainable, that is going to last longer than a flash in the pan, that might not get you on the 30 under 30 list, but actually lasts 30 years, it takes a different approach to change management, to leadership, and to sustainably scaling. I personally work with people who are passionate about what they do, who have found their work because it woke them up at night. It was undeniable and it didn't let them do anything else until they just went all in on this calling. So people who have noticed that there's a problem, there's a gap, there's this, there's the way that things are being done just isn't good enough. And so they solve that problem, whether reluctantly or excitedly. And Oftentimes they create a whole bunch of success that wasn't really even anticipated. And suddenly they are leaving the day job or they are taking the second mortgage out on the house. And they, they are finding themselves in this position of leadership and this position of success. And they're being asked to take another leap of faith. So how do you do that in a way that makes sure you're going to be successful? The people that are depending on you are going to be successful and the people who are investing in you are going to be successful. Well, there's a few key indicators we're going to talk about just in terms of business. They're pretty obvious. Money, (laughs) uh, people, and energy, attitude, perspective, this concept of sacrifice that I think a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business owners make uh, experience. Let me, yeah, they experience sacrifice. 
But the reason I say it's, it's energy and attitude and perspective is there's a very simple reframe for that, but it's not just about choosing a different word. It's actually about resourcing yourself in a completely different way. So we're going to get to that. The first thing I want to talk about is money. Because like I just mentioned, we have been sold on this idea that you have to invest in your success. You have to pay to go to school. You have to pay to learn. It takes as long as it takes. And and pay doesn't just mean like the exchange of monetary value, but also your time and your energy, right? And I'm a big believer in... um, there's, There's no one right answer. There's no one right way any longer. We're fractionalizing the, the path forward. And so what works for you is going to be different than works for me. That's why I, I truly believe you know everything. It's simply about getting the things out of your way that keep you from your own knowing and your own confidence. I have a shitload of ideas about how you can be successful, but ultimately it's about applying what jumps out at you and like sounds like something really cool. And like, maybe you hear it even louder when I'm talking or it's the thing that kind of continues to like roll around in your mind hole, <laughs> your brain hole after you stop listening. And by kind of putting together these different ideas and these different concepts and then creating a strategy so that you can implement them, you'll start to discover your own unique methodology and blueprint for success. That's my goal with all of this is to just simply empower you with different ways of thinking and feeling so that what you're doing can transform and you can get the results that you want a lot easier. So I look at a lot of financial statements, profit and loss statements, balance statements, um, cash flow statements, and, and a whole bunch of other ways that businesses kind of measure what's happening within their internal financial flow. And I also have studied a lot of different ways of managing cash flow in business uh, from your more trad your traditional finance approaches with different budgeting styles, um, different inventory management, benchmarks. So you're using different metrics across an, an industry or potentially a, a vertical. So where someone is in a particular business, and then you're using that to compare and contrast. And the system that I stumbled upon, which I think is really simple, it's fantastic, both for personal and financial, or I'm sorry, business finances, is the profit first system. And it's it's very basic. We have applied it to some pretty complex businesses, but that's a whole nother, that's, that's not even my podcast. That's Michael McCallowitz, the guy who created it. And there's plenty of resources on that. But what I like about Profit First is it creates percentages for your overall cash flow. And the concept that like really struck me when I discovered this was if you want to scale your business, the amount of money you're spending will scale with the growth. And so what I mean by that is we're just going to use some really simple numbers here. Let's say you're making $100,000 a year and you're spending $85,000 to make it. So you're paying yourself, you're advertising, you're buying materials or products, um, you're paying all of your utility bills, so on and so forth. Well, it's safe to say then, let's say you scale to $700,000 a year. Your expenses are going to move with your income. So even though you're making seven times as much, you're spending seven times as much. So now you're spending $595,000. Or let's say you're making a million dollars and you want to scale to $7 million. You're spending $850,000 at a million. And now you're spending $5.95 million in a $7 million business. 
So you're not necessarily paying yourself seven times more because you can't because <laughs> you're spending seven times more. And so I share that example because most, I would say a hundred percent of the businesses that I start working with and a hundred percent of the people that I work with, because I, I, I help so many of my friends and a lot of the, my clients are like individuals and solopreneurs or people with an idea who in a day job. Right. And so many people have swallowed this red pill that I have to spend money to make money. And I'm not arguing with that, but, and I, and I agree it, it, you need to get to a place where you're ready to start making these changes. And oftentimes it's because you've learned specific lessons. And so it's not for me to tell you how to manage your finances. This is not financial advice. I am not a lawyer, right? Or an accountant um, or a financial advisor. Did I say that already? Anywho. But what you, I want you to start asking yourself is what's important to me? Why am I working? Why am I building this business? Is it for financial freedom and autonomy? Is it for legacy and for security? Is it to try and make as much money as I possibly can as quickly as I can? Like those are all fantastic answers. When you know that, that's going to inform how you scale your business. If you want to sustainably scale, you're going to need to get that spending under control so that in the profit first model, you're spending 50% of what you're making. And that other 50% goes in your pocket to rainy days, emergencies, contingency planning, or potentially even to, to reward the people that you're working with, taxes, and I think that's it. <laughs> See, it's a really simple model. So getting an understanding of how much you're spending, how much in terms of a percentage of your overall income is, is the first step to sustainably scaling. You then get to determine the policies within that, your business to say, like, do I want to keep making more money every year? Do I want to be able to pay out bonuses? Do I want to incentivize people? Do I want to get creative with the ways that I'm doing business and create some efficiencies so that I know no matter how big this business gets, there will always be more profit available, not just more expenses, which then leads into the next, the next um, <laughs> key component in terms of scaling the people the resources in your business. And we're going to circle back to this because it does require a way of thinking about the people in your business. And where I'll start with, or what I'll start with is especially when you're small, we can treat people like they are irreplaceable resources. And if you're anything like me, you're also um, a little bit anti-corporate because of how replaceable they treat the resources within their business. There's a reason corporate scales to hundreds, if not thousands of employees. I call it the franchise mentality because a lot of small business owners, especially bricks and mortar business owners, would love to be able to open multiple locations. Corporate has such a bad rap and for, for very arguable reasons, and you don't want to get me started on that. But what I can appreciate is the ability to grow a business exponentially. And to do that in a way that allows everybody to resource themselves debatably effectively, <laughs> right? And so scaling sustainably requires you to think about the people and the partners in your business differently. 
not, I'm not saying it's good or bad, right or wrong, better or worse, but that is one of the challenges as a leader that you are going to need to meet when you think about how do I take this to the next level? How do I grow this? Now, there's a variety of reasons. I mean, I believe our business is nothing without our people. So how do you find the right people? How do you know that you've got the right people in the right job? How do you hire more people? How do you plan for that sustainably? How do you know if you've got too many resources, too many people? Again, we're going to kind of get in, into this a little bit, but these are the questions to start asking yourself. Now, I'm a big believer in resource your business effectively, and I have absolutely spent too much money on staffing and, and resources because I know for me to be able to have multiple businesses, my time needs to be used incredibly purposefully. And I would much, I would almost, I will not, I've done this plenty of times. I, I will pay people more than I'm paying myself because that allows me to do 10 things instead of two. So if I'm paying myself 10 times <laughs> a little bit, that makes up for it. Right. And there's just things in my businesses now I don't want to do anymore. Like if I'm not the best at it, I really don't want to do it. And if I'm not passionate about it, I also am not going to do it. So I create a plan. And that's where like a seasoned HR professional, even as just a contractor and, and a consultant that you can ask to say like, look, this is my organizational chart. These are the key areas of responsibility and work and output in my businesses. Like how are other people doing this? How are other people running like a really lean team? It might be better. You might be better off paying someone twice as much rather than having three people that doing a third of that job, right? So these are just some of the things to think about when you, you're going to start with the money and it might freak you out. When you get really creative about the people and the roles and the resources you have in your organization, it might allow you to think in things in a completely different way. There are so many different ways as, uh, that people can come together in an organization now. And there are, you can work with people from all around the world. You can, there's a, a bunch of different ways that you can contract and employ someone. So um, it's just bringing awareness to the fact that the way you've been doing things might not be the way that you continue to do things when it comes to your people power. The last thing I want to talk about before we kind of get into like the takeaways from this, because you know, I love talking about that, uh, is like this concept of sacrifice. So most of the time, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a creative, if you're a leader, like you're, you're a problem solution person, right? Like you're the fixer, you're the silver linings, you're the opportunist, you're constantly looking for different ways, different efficiencies, different solutions. And you might not even see the gaps in your own abilities or your businesses. That's a blind spot. And like, you don't know what you don't know. It's like one of those kind of paradoxes in leadership and business. Like, where are you trying to be the hero? Where are you overcompensating? Where are you rescuing? Where are you martyring yourself? That is actually going to play very heavily back into the last question in terms of people. But we can get really good at just taking one for the team probably because it's like how we actually think, like we take responsibility for things so that we can fix them and then we can control the outcome, which feels really safe and good, uh, except for that you might be overextending yourself in a lot of different areas, financial, uh, the, the own energy and bandwidth you have available in any day to day, 
um, let alone like you going in and doing other people's jobs for them. There is a, a fine line between does this feel good or does this feel bad? And for me, I am a think first, feel it later kind of person. And so when I think about sacrifice, that feels bad. <laughs> I feel forced into it. It feels like defeatist. Like th there's no winners in a, in a situation where someone is sacrificed, right? But the flip side of that to me is investing. Like I'm willing to put aside short-term experience for long-term gain. And I can do that because it's part of a plan. So we go back to the money. This is a growth plan. I might be spending more than I'm making right now because the way that I make more sales is I hire more people or I sell more products. So I have to buy more, so on and so forth. That is effective management on a lot of different levels, energetics, attitudes, mindset, people, finances, bandwidth, right? Draw, be willing to draw a line in the sand in terms of your own sacrifice. I know so many business owners that are doing the late nights and the weekends that are docking their own pay. And that is absolutely a necessity sometimes. When that becomes the norm, we're no longer sustainably scaling. And in fact, we're doing our, not just ourselves, but we're doing our business a disservice because we usually don't track those investments either. So even though you might be tracking everybody's time and payroll, you're not tracking your own. So it becomes mismanagement of resources because there's this like outlier that keeps everything going, but it's firstly, not sustainable, but secondly, it's not really being measured either. So you're not going to be able to translate that to a support role or to an investment plan or to like HR, if they're trying to figure out like, okay, well, what does this organization need to look like in five years in order to hit the sales targets that we're looking for? So like, it can feel like a very noble, um, desire like, oh, well, you know, so-and-so's quitting. So I'm going to stay up until two in the morning to work on my org chart that was pulled from a client. Sorry if you're listening. Um, but I mean, you all get it. You're listening to this. You've, you've absolutely played the hero and told yourself like, this is the noble thing to do. And then you probably felt a little bit resentful because nobody even noticed. And then suddenly people start expecting that level of effort or access to you. And then it's just completely unmanageable and it just unravels. So the thing, like, I think something just to really start to hone in on when you were ready to scale. So you have, you have moved past the startup. You probably got five minutes in a sustained space. And now it's time to really start planning on this scale and this growth. This is going to be about your leadership and not the leadership up until now. This is you coming out, you're coming out of the closet as a leader. And it, it's not going to be about your board or your consultants or your coaches or your parents and caretakers or your best friend or your mastermind peers telling you what to do anymore. That is all incredibly valid, incredibly supportive information. This is about your synergy of mind, of creativity and of action. 
So you're pulling in all of this data and all of this information, whether it's formal or informal, and you are embodying that. You're bringing it into your little data, what is the word I'm looking for? Central processing system <laughs> and outputting it, right? Um, this is going to demand change on your behalf, a shift. I'm a big believer in uh, you lead by example, the words that you choose, the attitude that you display, how you walk into a meeting, how you walk into a negotiation. That is where this sustainable scale is going to start, is with every choice that you make. And that might feel like a, a big responsibility, but when you create this plan and you have uh, a plan of action and you have an end goal in mind, like just think about who you're going to be, how you're going to act, how you're going to dress, what lunch you're going to eat when you're at that end destination. And then you get to start living that every day. It's, it's pretty fun, but... <laughs> There will be big challenges that you experience. Go listen to the hero's journey for uh, how, how these um, missions tend to roll out. The last thing I just want to say before I shift into the, the destabilization moment of the, the scale is when you, I'm also a big believer and in include the people around you in this change. So when you know you're about to start like climbing that mountain and you've got existing team, you maybe have existing social networks, family networks, community networks, like allow people in on this process. Like I was saying before, you are now the leader. You will have all of these people telling you how to do it, when to do it, what they did, why they did, why what they did is the best way of doing it. And that's great. You can, we can all appreciate that for what it is, advice they would give themselves, right? But when you bring people in on this process, they're going to have buy-in. They will support you in it even if they don't like it. There's a bunch of studies on this that happened. I think I've I'm talking about those, um, like in factories where they were rolling out like new, new technology and new processes. And, and long story short, there's there's a plenty of data to support with it. When you give people the opportunity to have an opinion on what's happening, even if they don't like it, and especially if they don't like the outcome, they will still support you in it. So bring your team in on it. Maybe not everything, but a little bit. Bring, bring your, your partner or your family or your, you know, the, your social network in on it because you might be shifting and changing you will be shifting and changing, but the, your access, your availability, um, even the way you're, like I said, acting, dressing, eating, all of these things might shift. And in my experience, you can get a lot of resistance because change always feels stressful unless you say like, Hey, we're going to be changing. What do you think? Is everything great now? And they'll be like, oh, I think so. And it's like, well, what if we just tried out this new system or this new tech or this new solution? Or, you know, I'm trying to achieve more sales, which means I'm going to have to change the way I'm doing things. And they'll be like, yeah, okay. I guess that makes sense. When things get uncomfortable, they'll be prepared for it and they'll be up for it and they'll support you in a way that they won't if they don't see it coming, right? So, Change is inherently destabilizing. Scaling, creating something you've never done before, asking people to produce on a level they haven't before, like this is going to scare people. So kind of going back, actually, we're not there yet. Hold, please. Um, there, you, would you create change 
you will see people's bad behavior, their worst behavior, perhaps you're going to see breakdowns, not just in people, but also in systems and tech and process and potentially even results. Like things will get worse before they get better. We hear that all the time, but we don't necessarily think it through in terms of sales or, um, organizational culture or, uh, like the predictability in our days or in our numbers or in, um, our relationships. Right. And, we're as the leader used to taking responsibility for the potential fuck ups in our business. This is going to demand a level of, of, um, perspective from you. That's like 30,000 foot view. So you might see the traffic accident and the fucking ambulances coming, but then you can also see like the desired end destination. And in fact, there's a detour that people can take and get there. Now, if you're on the ground level, just freaking out at like the crazy accident and the ambulances and the crowd that's gathering, that's going to distract you from the ultimate goals, right? I like to think about, and I've been talking a lot about this more recently. I just hate repeating myself. That's why I I say that. I don't want you to think that like, I'm just continually going over the same data over and over again, but, um, I am. (laughs) So, uh, the problems, the breakdowns, even the bad behavior is actually proof you're creating change. And if you can allow people to anticipate the change and move through the negative experience, they will come out the other side, incredibly loyal and incredibly trusting. Now, how do you do that? Again, you give them a little bit of a heads up. You recognize the flailing for what it is kind of like a little temper tantrum. We all learned that that's a really great way to respond when we're freaking the fuck out. And then someone gives us a fucking lollipop and we're good to go. You don't give them a lollipop, but you let them cry until they get tired and bored and distracted and then just like get back to it. Uh, you get, you're the grown up. you're the leader, you're the mama, papa bear in this situation. <laughs> and you will see some of your most senior, reliable, seasoned, whether it's customers, clients, buyers, leadership team, employees, vendors, like kind of freak out when things change. That's okay. That means you're actually creating the change that you want. So I have really been leaning into this recently that in fact, what feels like a monumental fuck up or a huge test to my will and faith is the proof that I'm doing it right. And I already hear what you're saying, but you know, why would I keep those people on? So the last thing I want to say in all of this is some will stay and some will go. Some people may never get on board with it. And this is the best opportunity for them to exit stage, right? It doesn't need to be a drama. We can thank them for their service or not. But as you create, as you fundamentally change everything that you guys are doing and every goal that you're trying to achieve and you re re like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, reinvent expectations and relationships, it's just not going to be the right place for people any longer. And we always think about the end of a relationship like it's a failure. I did a blog about this, um, like happy endings a really long time ago. What if it's a celebration, a graduation, like you did it, you got, you got to that desired end destination. And now we need to like inception, turn the city all upside down and create a whole new map. Some people just might not want to go there anymore. 
in order to facilitate change, you need to help people see where they're going, but they have to want to go there, <laughs> right? And it's okay if they don't all want to do that. And sometimes the people may want to go there, but they don't have the skill set yet. So even though they think that they should be growing with the business and if they were, you know, leadership when you were a team of 10 and then they were VPs when you were a team of 100, then they should be C-suite when you get to a team of 1,000. Maybe, maybe not. So it's managing those expectations, again, creating a clear concept of the destination. And then you as the leader need to do your best to remove the roadblocks and the obstacles in everybody's way, including your own. So just notice that tendency when we experience pain by through perceiving a problem or a fuck up or something we didn't predict, we immediately go to blame. I call it the binary, right? We're fighting not to lose. Just notice that. It's 100% normal. Every single person does this. Now you get to take a pause, you know, take a knee, uh, take a beat. And go, okay, old me would have lashed out. I would have yelled at somebody. I would have gotten someone in my office in this moment while I'm having this huge emotional experience and tried to work things out. New me is going to go for a walk. New me is going to call my partner, call my best friend, go to a yoga class, go for a run, go to kickboxing, scream into a pillow, whatever it is. New me is going to move to that space of neutral. And then... Then I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do next. Because in fact, this is exactly what's supposed to be happening. I have, I have taken the board, the playing board on the game, and I've shaken it up and all the pieces have fallen over. And in fact, I got a whole new game board altogether. So yeah, the people who are really into Monopoly are not going to want to play Sheets and Ladders. I probably could have thought of a better game, but that analogy just popped into my head. You're welcome. <laughs> so sustainably scaling is all about creating a plan of action, recognizing where we've been overextending, where we might need to move some resources around or potentially move on altogether and taking full ownership of where we, as this instigator of change, as the facilitator of success, where we have potentially mismanaged our own resource in terms of time or energy, um, or even like skills. The amount of times my hat has been in a ring that it should not have been in simply because I was the only one there who was actually willing to do it is a lot. So you can do it. There's so many businesses out there that are creating everything they ever wanted and doing it in a way that feels really fucking good. They're impacting their communities. They are supporting the people that work within their structure. And the boss, the leader, you, like they get to take vacations. They get, they get a break. They get a pause. They get to pay themselves. They get bonuses too, right? What I continually and forever go back to is we're building business in a way that just hasn't been done before. It's going to demand thinking about things, feeling about things completely differently than you have in the past. In order to create something you've never created before, you're going to have to do things differently. And the old way of doing business is, is not working anymore. Like to put it as simply as possible, that's why we're seeing so many different breakdowns and on so many different levels. So just simply open to this process. 
you can do it. It can be sustainable. It's going to take as long as it takes and you can create whatever it is that you desire. I promise. Okay. Okay. Uh, hi, I'm Nicole BZ and you can find me at the BZ channel. I'm sure I have something going on. I've, uh, this year has been all about me creating little access points. I, um, postponed leader leap. So that is actually probably a fantastic thing to tune into. If, uh, the live has already happened, you can absolutely buy the workshop online. It's where we do a little bit of, um, avatar design to use a very popular buzz term, but I used to call it um, your ideal character. So we build out an ideal leadership character for you. Kind of like what I was talking about earlier. Like, what do you wear? And how do you talk? And how do you sound? And, um, you know, what's your office like? And all of that. And then I will actually do a timeline jump. So if you don't know what that is, at me. If you know what it is, you know what I'm talking about. I um, actually learned how to do this through P the Fury, who you can find on all sorts of different platforms, but they offered, uh, I didn't realize it was a training, but it was. And uh, so I've been doing it ever since, but it'll be a fun little um, afternoon workshop where you essentially finish as the leader that you'd want to follow. So uh find that my website, NicoleBZ.com. It should be there. Um, yeah, I'm going to eat some lunch. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I appreciate you be well. Oh, you know, like comment, share all those fun things. 